This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak, and this is episode 152 with Michael Bramante. Where do I begin? Where do I begin? Where do I begin? You would think I would know by now what I'm going to say while I'm going into this. Is it ever just painfully obvious? I'm just winging it. Here it goes. This episode is a bit different, in fact, the next two episodes. So this one and the next one that's coming out this week are both different in the fact that I had both of these guests over separately at two very different times. In fact, the episode that comes out in a few days, I bumped up further earlier into the episode list, if you know what I mean. Basically, I pulled her ahead of others because it had a lot of familiarity with the Kobe Bryant accident. And not only does having my guests in person lend itself a different vibe, it really does. And that is a goal that I have, is to have a show that's filmed in person. And when I do them in person, it becomes, again, using that word, painfully aware to me that, you know, this is a different beast. It's not just having a conversation in person with someone you would think it would be, but when like that mic goes on and that red button says it's recording, it just feels different. It does. There's a different air of vulnerability. And when I was editing these episodes, I was really aware of that. I felt it. It just felt so much more vulnerable. And uh, it felt uncomfortable for me editing it. I mean, my God, 152 episodes, and I feel this way, and yet I do. So I will be completely transparent about maybe why that is. One, Michael is maybe the second man that I've chased down in New York City. I didn't really chase him down. He was sitting down, but I did go up to him and I approached him. I had, strangely enough, ended up in this like little comedy space that was for comics. I'm not a comic. And I ended up listening to Michael and I thought he was hysterical. I saw myself in him. I tell him this. And I was just like, oh my God a man speaking about their breakups and their heartbreak and being so emotionally available. I'm like, I need this guy on the podcast. That was one part of it. Another part is he's very attractive and very funny and he has this great air of confidence. And so I went up to him, I found him and that was the start of me having him here on this podcast. It feels different because it's in person and also because this conversation had a lot more 
to do with heartbreak. The heartbreak feels closer. It doesn't feel like it's as far away as it has been for other guests. And so I think that's so important for this podcast. It's almost an obvious for Thank You Heartbreak. So I'm so thankful that Michael came on. I felt like it was a brave conversation. You may hear a lot of yeah, yeah between us. And I again, I think that has to do with just two people being next to each other, not knowing each other. I want to emphasize that. I can't emphasize that enough. We don't know each other. So again, for that reason, I feel like it was really brave to have this guy show up that didn't even know me, that just went for it to be on this podcast and really opened up his heart and was really revealing about his experience. It's not every day that people can be forthright about their sadness and admit that they still think of someone. And I just have the most respect for someone like that. What I also like about this episode is we talk about OCD. We also talk about one of Michael's biggest fears being death. It's a big fear that I have in relation to losing my parents and my sister. Why this is interesting is because it just so happens the timing is all working out that this episode is coming out. And again, it has to do with the fear of death. And then what happens in a few days, the other episode that comes out has to do with a woman's sudden death of her husband. It was an accident. So you have those two things side by side. I hope that they complement each other well. I hope that these stories speak to your heart, speak to maybe fears that you have, anxieties, or maybe even just some hope that you are looking for in your life. Thank you again for being with us. And here is the quote that I feel like speaks to this episode. I wrote it. It was a reflection that I had when I was going through my breakup. I think of you, not on occasion, but often. I see you when I am looking at others. I let myself miss certain parts of you. I think this is healthy, or at the very least, human. So I would love for you to introduce yourself to my audience. Sure. Mike Bramante. Mike. Mike. Do you have a middle name? William. I was supposed to be a boy. Yeah. And my name was supposed to be William, so they can call me Willie, which I was like, what family would do that to a son? You know? Like, right. Isn't Willie stand for like kind of penis or something? I, don't, I think it's a slang for penis, I guess. <laughs> slang. I don't know. Yeah. I don't slang. Know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're similar in the sense that we went through breakups where we were still in love with a person. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people like stay so long until they have a hatred for themselves. Right. Or, you know, like they hate who they've become in the relationship mm-hmm. or they just have completely outgrown someone. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's true. Um, my last relationship we broke up, I think we still both had really strong feelings for each other, especially me. Um I didn't necessarily expect to break up. I always thought that we'd be able to work things out. But, you know, looking back on it, I I see the reasons why and I, I understand it more. But, yeah, still had very strong feelings, loved her a lot and still very much care for her. Do you feel like it's a totally different beast? Though? Because that's what I've realized. I think yeah. that when you break up with someone and you still love them, mm-hmm. I feel like you're just like left on your own to somehow fall out of love with the memories that were nothing but love. Like right. you're not introduced to like this angry side of them. Like you're kind of just on your own to somehow move past something that still makes you feel good. Yeah. I think that's what makes it even more difficult. Difficult. You know, it's not something that I wanted to just completely forget about. It was something that I still look very fondly 
Why is it important to you, though, to look fondly? Because I know so many people that in order for them to get over something, the whole thing is to forget about it. I mean, I think that you being a comic and maybe making jokes about it, like for me as a writer, like I still, I don't know if the word is like immortalize the relationship. Mm -hmm. I try to keep it alive in some way. Yeah, I think that that's true. I think, you know, with comedy, I've tried to cope with it a little bit. Um, and it's all very self-deprecating mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, she broke up with me. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's very clear. And I make that very clear in, in my jokes about it. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, what was the question again? I don't remember what the question was. It's <laughs> a good question. Sorry, we're just, we're just free-flowing free here. Yeah, no, I think I was saying that a lot of people try to forget something. In oh, kind right. of careers and passions that we have, part yeah. of it is keeping it going. Yeah. Returning to that material. Why do you think that you're someone that would rather return to it than forget it? I think because when we were together, like I became a better version of myself, Mm. you know, and I learned a lot. I opened up more as a person. I became more vulnerable. One of the big reasons why I even pursued comedy in full force the way I have since the breakup is because of her. She inspired me to pursue the things that I was passionate about Mm -hmm. or am passionate about. So, um Yeah, she was somebody who kind of opened my mind up to different things and different perspectives. And she had a different background and upbringing than me. And I think we both, I hope that we both made each other better versions of ourselves and more evolved people. And I look back on those, you know, aspects of our relationship very fondly. And that's, you know, not something that I want to let go. You know, it's hard to think about it's hard to hold on and think about and I've, I have moved on and I'm still in the process of moving on. I probably will be forever. Who knows? I don't know. But it doesn't mean I can't move on and have other relationships and date and that type of thing. Yeah. But I'll always look back on what we had in a positive light. You're committed to that. In a yeah. Sense. You just know that that's the case. Yeah. Do you believe that in order to move on, you have to fall in love with someone else? Um, I don't think necessarily. I mean... I don't know. I mean, I, th- th- right. it's still hypothetical for me because I haven't fallen in love with someone else yet. So, how, <laughs> have you been in many relationships before her, though? No, I've you know I've had few relationships in my life. I'm more of a relationship guy. I, I mean, I don't necessarily casually date a ton. One of my favorite lines, and maybe it's paraphrasing, <laughs> but I just it resonated with me so much. I'm the best ex boyfriend. I'll never date anyone else after you. <laughs> well, that's. You know, obviously, it's comedy yeah, and yeah. self-deprecating. And it was so funny, though. I <laughs> loved that. I loved it. Well, you know, I think, you know, I'm making fun of myself for yeah. I've had a hard time moving on. Yeah. And I'm still trying to do that. And the fact that I haven't quite been able to get there yet, it's, you know, that line's making fun of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that you can do that, though. Yeah. I really do. Because I feel like kind of like there's always just this rush to get over it. Yeah. At what point is too long to not have a boyfriend or a girlfriend afterwards? And I love that you're able to be the one that can laugh at yourself about it and to accept it and yeah. to allow it to be rather than try to just grab for the next so people will stop inquiring about how you're at. <laughs> well, maybe I'd go the extreme in the other direction. but <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think it's... I wouldn't want to look back on it negatively or just move on and forget about it because it was a special time in my life that changed me for the better, even though it ended where it was very difficult and it was very sad and Mm -hmm. it was hard to, you know, especially the first couple months was a very sad time. You know, I don't want to forget that it happened. Have you been sad like that before in, in different contexts? Or is that your first experience with, you would say, is sadness? Um, maybe maybe once or twice before, but this was probably a, definitely a unique okay. 
experience. Yeah. Yeah. Did it matter knowing like how she was feeling about it? Yeah. I mean, and we had conversations, Mm -hmm. you know, post breakup and she was great about that. And, you know, we were able to talk through things and, and I completely understand, you know, where she's coming from, the reasons why, you know, we shouldn't be together anymore and we had to break up. And I, I understand those and I respect those. So. So what does closure mean to you? Because people are obsessed with closure. Yeah. Do you think it takes sitting down with her or do you think it's just an internal thing? I don't know. I mean, it's like you always try to, yeah, people are obsessed with it. It's like, well, I want the, the answer. And I don't know if it is totally possible. Because I think that people get answers and they still don't feel like anything has been closed. You're always searching for more clarity, I think. But I think at some point you're just asking questions you already know. Right. Right. You're trying to spin it differently. Right. Totally. So I I don't know. I mean, what what does closure mean? Does it mean I'll, you know, totally be able to move on and um, never have like sad feelings that we're not together or it didn't work out? I'm not like obsessing it over it every day. I'm I'm living a very happy life and doing what I want to do. But yeah, I look back on it and I have some sadness that it didn't work out. I don't know if that'll ever, ever go away. Totally. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not like paralyzing me. Does that statement worry you that you might always have sadness about it being with someone else? Would it be okay for them to know that you're someone that still feels sad or still has love for an ex-girlfriend? I don't know. I mean, um, it's not at a point where, like, I I don't think I can be with somebody else, you know, and fully commit to that relationship. Do you hate my questions? No, no. (laughs) Are you sure? That's right. We can fix anything in post. That's what that's we're gonna. We can. I just I I don't know if you do hate all this. No, not at all. I mean, I uh, I I don't think I've ever talked about it with anyone other than you know some close friends. Right. You know what I mean. So I guess I'm a little hesitant. I don't know. (laughs) You're doing good. Yeah. (laughs) You're doing good. Where are you from? Uh, Upstate New York, Binghamton area. I think it's amazing that you were able to come from different places and it made you better. All my last relationships, for the most part, at least the the few last ones, they're from completely different worlds Mm -hmm. and it ended up being a big issue. I always felt like they held it against me. So bravo for you on that. You know, I think we both you know, helped each other out in that way. And then we both, you know, learned more about ourselves through each other. I don't know. I really appreciated the The differences. differences. We also had a lot of similarities and a lot of things that we enjoyed. I mean, and, you know, she is an artist, an actress, singer, songwriter, you know, very creative type. And, you know, we shared that sort of passion of pursuing those type of things. And we had a similar sense of humor. And so she um, laughed at your jokes. Yeah, she laughed at my jokes, which is... uh, (gasps) Which is a big thing, you know, so. <laughs> Could you imagine? Right. Yeah, that wouldn't work, I suppose. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. yeah. I think it's important to share the similar sense of humor, you know. I'm trying to think about yeah. what were my ex's sense of humors. Um, for some of the relationships, I was never laughing. Yeah. There was like a period of time in one relationship that I was in. I say it should have been a two-week relationship, and it was mm-hmm. four years. And stopped laughing, stopped smiling. Yeah. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> great. Yeah. No. But I will yeah. say it turned me into a breakup coach. 
Right. You know, like it's just, I really believe that we're with people and whatever we do to ourselves within those relationships can be very intentional. You can look at it. Like, I think there's choices. You can hate yourself Mm -hmm. or you can look back and be like, this was meant to happen and turn me into something. Like I meant to use what I was doing then as a through line later in my life. Yeah. And I think that is probably true for, for both of us, me and her. I think that it set us down a better path. You know, after the breakup for me personally, I kind of focused all my time and energy into comedy, which is something that I wanted to do. Even when for, you were with for her. many, even when I was yeah. with her, in you know, prior to being with her, it is something I never really just went after. Why? Hundred percent. Being scared. It's an unrealistic dream. Right. Um, just being afraid to put myself out there. You know, all those type of things. I sometimes feel like people have these desires in life and they'll keep on postponing it because they're afraid that if they're in that moment, like if you become a comic and you realize this doesn't make me feel good at all, or this was so unrealistic and now the dream is gone. Yeah. I mean, I think I've seen people do that sort of thing Mm -hmm. where they don't pursue something like that because then if they get it and they're still not happy, then. Right. um, I mean, I think the most terrifying thing of all for people. Right. I mean, for me, you know, I took a long time figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. But I kind of always in the back of my mind knew it was something along the lines of of comedy or creating content, you know, writing, that type of thing. And I always needed that creative outlet. I guess I just never thought it was like a realistic, you know, Does that mean that you're good at it? Yeah, I mean, I'm confident in my ability to... You were so good. I felt like you... No, I felt like there was a... You really stood out amongst everyone. Your way of delivering things, you deliver it with such... Like, it seems like you so believe in yourself. And I feel like just the way that you're able to present what you say changes everything. Yeah. A lot of things don't go over well, I think, with people because they seem so uncomfortable or just... Your energy was so good. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, it's taken me a little bit to get there and a lot of hard work, but it's, yeah. I mean, I think like the thing with comedy is you got to commit to what you're saying and you got to believe it. And you yourself have to think it's funny, funny. you know, and I'm not going to do anything that I don't think is, is funny. Why would I do that? But people can feel that if I'm having a good time and I'm enjoying it, then the audience is going to enjoy it more. I feel like sometimes the best time is watching someone laugh at their own joke. Yeah. I mean, if you... (laughs) You know, if you're enjoying it and having fun, it's it's an energy thing. People feel that. We're having fun. Comedy is supposed to be fun. We're supposed to be laughing. You know, I'll smile up there because I'm having a good time when it's going well. Do you remember the days where it didn't go well? Like, how did you cope with that? I mean, there's still days where it doesn't go well. I mean, it's one of those things where it's always up and down and like... How do you you deal with that though? Like, how do you go like, okay, this was just one time it didn't go well. It doesn't mean it's the end of me. Certainly you can beat yourself up and I definitely have a lot of perfectionist tendencies where like if it didn't go well, I really get down about it. But the great thing about comedy is there's always the next show or there's always the next mic or whatever it is. It's like playing a game. And I I grew up like with an athletic background. I played sports. Sometimes you're going to have a great game. Sometimes you're going to play okay. Sometimes you're not going to play well. And that's very much... It doesn't mean you should stop It doesn't mean you should stop. But I try to use those times where it doesn't go as well to motivate myself Mm. to get better because I don't want that feeling again. It's just not realistic to think it's going to be perfect. I was at a point one time where I've had a couple of shows where it's like every line worked and like I crushed, you know, and I'm like, well, if I don't reach that level, then it's a failure. And that's just not the case. Like you've got to be able to be a pro and like bounce back. Even if like in the middle of a set, some stuff might work, some stuff might not. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't work, you got to be able to rebound and win the audience back. 
Mm. So that's something I've really been working on recently is that, you know, not to make this like a comedy conversation, but yeah. Well, I think it applies to anyone though that's going after something. Yeah. And I, I wonder how it applies to things just outside, like personally with people in life, even in dating, I guess, like maybe someone came on actually one of the comics yeah. and she was saying that the first date that she had with her husband was really horrible. And she read this book that it's just a fucking date and right. that you should be giving people second chances to see yeah. if they might do a little bit better. I think that's true too. I think a lot of my dating life has also been and, you know, I would find a reason not to continue pursuing something. But I think I've, as I've become more of a mature person and more of an evolved person, tried to not find those excuses to not pursue something. Because again, it's all a defense mechanism, right? To not pursue something because it's just easier not to. I feel like there's one thing about pursuing something that feels right and it makes sense and like you're curious about it. And then there's another thing where you just know that like it really won't be there romantically or it won't be like they could be something in your life, but they're not this. I think that that's true too. And I think you can kind of sense those things immediately. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's an energy. It's like a, it's just a feeling, you know, I do think that that, that is, that is true. I fucking lead with that more and more. Yeah. It's hard to deny if that feeling is there. It's kind of instant. That's not to say that it can't be overlooked, but yeah. Right. And you might look at somebody differently than you originally. I mean, that, that, that could happen too, but I mean, I kind of agree with that. Mm -hmm. as well it's either there or it's not and it's almost immediate but then when it's there and it doesn't go anywhere it's like why did that happen i have more banter than i've ever had with men in my life like Mm -hmm. there's every guy can fascinate me to do agree yeah but like the physical aspect or the desire to take it further is just so much harder to come by these days Mm mm-hmm I don't know if it's because my last relationship was so special in a different way. He had two children. So I got to feel like what a relationship for me is really about. Right. right? You know, Mm -hmm. like it it was the first relationship that wasn't just so selfish, just about him and I. Mm -hmm. It was about children. Right. Yeah. So I feel like that in a way, like, fucked me up in terms of, like, casual dating. I don't think I was ever a casual dater. Right. But, like, there's just so much more kind of intensity and intention behind Yeah, there's a lot more to deal with in that situation. What was that experience like for you? It was something that I said I would never do. Yeah. So I always felt like I had, like, these absolutes Mm -hmm. where I was like, I wouldn't date someone from a small town. I won't date someone with, like, tattoos. And those are, like, pathetic, probably. Right. But then the other part of, like, having children, I just thought I would never do it. Mm -hmm. But then when it was this person was in front of me i felt like i couldn't do anything but do it but try it sometimes i feel like going into relationships you know what the challenge is going to be i start out almost every time knowing what i'm up against what this is really about Mm -hmm. and for me it was like is love enough to overlook some of these things and i'm like i might and probably will hate myself potentially after i find out this answer and so for me it was like i found out that you know, no, I wouldn't move to a small town just because I was in love with not only one person, but with three people. Right. Like I have to take a chance on myself more in New York Mm -hmm. as I finally like regained. I'm not depressed anymore. Yeah. But I saw this side of myself in terms of being around children. I'd always use like substances in my life, Adderall, for example, to Mm -hmm. like be like really on. Mm -hmm. And then I had these children and it naturally came to me. Mm -hmm. And that like really excites me. Wow. And I I started to realize, like, kind of what my parents had worked for. Mm -hmm. I understood, like, giving children surprises, like, the joy that comes across their Mm -hmm. face. Like, I just, 
I got something on a deeper level that I think that I'm clueless to until I'm a parent. That's nice to hear. I mean, I think it's important to be open to different situation that, like you said, you, you would write somebody off if they had kids before, but it ended up being a great experience for you. So, and I think that's what I'm trying to do more in life in, in general, but mm-hmm. is love enough? That's another thing that, that you brought up. I think I'm kind of a hopeless romantic guy yeah. and I've always felt, yeah, love is enough. We can figure it out if we love each other, but I don't know if that's true. I mean, I think there's other factors at play as well. I think that there's probably someone else I can meet and it's a different sort of love. And then maybe that love would be enough. I just know that sometimes it's like really easy for love to come in to to sidetrack me. Like that becomes the dream Mm -hmm. rather than the original thing. And I think I just would have had to give up too much. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it's, it's not enough. I realize like some people are like looking for, you know, a home or Mm -hmm. or a life to move into. Mm -hmm. Like I want to create a life with someone. I don't want to move into their life. And that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So even though you loved the person, there were other factors at play that didn't make it quite the right thing. It was when I really pulled back, it was like, okay, I was the healthiest that I had ever been in a relationship. And I think honestly, like sexually, it just had something to do with it. It was Mm -hmm. like, it was such a different dynamic. I felt so present Mm -hmm. in that aspect. I feel like that was a little bit hard to let go of. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe I was using that experience to say I was so in love. Look, relationships are complicated. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but I think you can love somebody and you both love each other and that's not quite enough to make it the best relationship or the relationship, the right relationship at that time. That you really run with. Yeah, I think that's possible for sure. So who did you go to after the breakup? Was this something that you would talk to your parents about? Um, it was mostly friends, you know what I mean? Close friends of, of mine that, that I can really talk to about anything. Therapist, those are probably the main people. What do you think like a therapist gives you that friends don't? I just feel like it was a different outlet to talk it's about. It's just it. a different outlet, just a different outlet. And, you know, I, I don't know if it provided necessarily anything different. You know, I can be open about, you know, what happened with really, really close friends that I trust that are basically like family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, therapy is just a, a different outlet. It's a different dynamic. Did you find the right person? Because I never like did yeah. a good enough like search. For a therapist? Yeah, I mean, sometimes like you go in and it's yeah. the, the initial consultation is like $400. So I'm like, I'm not going to shell that out each time yeah. I want to meet someone. So I have clinical OCD, clinically diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. How does that manifest? Uh, in a lot of ways. <laughs> I had it as a kid and yeah. I feel like I overcame it. So I have a lot of rituals yeah. that I do on a daily basis that you know, I try not to do. But I saw that in a joke. Yeah. So that was real. That's very much real. Um, <gasps> absolutely. Uh I go to therapy specifically for that, but Mm. you know, I have a good relationship with my therapist where we talk about many things, but my OCD is treating that as as the main thing, but that, that manifests itself in all aspects of my life. Have you seen that you've been able to treat it like that it's gotten less? Yeah, absolutely. I remember, I mean, I'm not saying it was the same as you, but I felt like it was having to override a voice at a certain point that was telling me to do things. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely what it is. It's you have two basically two sides of your brain. It's like your OCD side of your brain that's sending you thoughts and fears and anxiety and telling you you have to do this, that, or the other yeah. thing to neutralize that fear. So it's a voice in your head. And I, I named the voice in my head. I call yeah. him Henry. <laughs> you know, he's my Why wife. Henry? Uh, actually, my ex-girlfriend came up with it. So. Call him Henry. Yeah, I call him Henry. It just seemed to sort of fit. I don't know. 
but I refer to him as Henry, that voice in my head, which is kind of funny. But At least it's not God. Right, right. But yeah, I've, I've been able to manage it a lot better. What I think I didn't realize going into it is, is like, I got to a point in adulthood where it was really kind of paralyzing for me yeah. mentally, and I needed to get help. I've made a lot of progress managing on a day-to-day basis. I had the mindset going in, I just want to get rid of this. I want to move Mm. beyond it. But that's not realistic. So you have more realistic. I have more realistic expectations that I just have to manage it as best I can because the thoughts are never going to go away. But I I have more tools to deal with. That's so huge though because I, I remember even with like depression feeling like so afraid of the feelings again that it would mean that I was always going to have this. And I think a lot of people, we think about like the day where everything's going to be gone. We're rid of something completely. So for you to be able to be like, this is something that might always be underlying my life and I just have to manage it. I feel like that's a really different approach than being like, I'm waiting for the day it's totally gone. Yeah. I mean, but I I learned that through therapy, you know, and it's like, you can't idealize life that it's going to be without I feel like that's why you're the way you are about your breakup, though, in a way. You're saying that you don't think there's going to be a day where she's out of your mind. You're going to have to manage maybe the fact that you might be in love with her for a long time and feel sad about it. Like Maybe that's the same. I th- yeah, I think there's a similar parallel there, wow. for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't think you can idealize life where it's like you're, it's going to be perfect and you're not going to have fears and anxieties and worries. And that's part of life. You know what I mean? So I think it's healthy to accept that. Again, try to manage it as, as best you can. It's hard with, you know, a mental illness, but I am proud of myself for like, I do live my life in the face of it. And, you know, one of my biggest fears is death, honestly, death to me, death to people close to me, um, death before I'm going to accomplish what I want to accomplish. I mean, that's um, like a great driver, though. So it's all, yeah, yeah, at the same time, it's a great driver because I want to live as much as possible. But it's like, I feel like I'm trying to live because I'm afraid that it's going to end. But it's two sides of the coin there. I'm really afraid of my family dying. I also have a twin sister. So it's like, I mean, talk about like an unrealistic expectation. Like we came into the world together and the reality is we probably won't go out at the same time. Likely, probably not. And that's what they say in therapy too. Someday you're going to be right. Someday you're going to die. And you don't know when it is. It's uncertain. Would you rather know the day? Probably not. No. But that is the, the weird thing is like for... OCD therapy, the core of it is like, you got to accept that things are uncertain Yeah. because you're trying to control everything. The the rituals, you know, whether it's washing hands or turning the light switch on and off or whatever it is, you're just trying to control things from happening that you don't want to happen. And you got to let go. Is it a distraction? Like, do you become obsessed with the rituals to distract or something from something you can't control? I think that's part of it, but it's also just like a coping mechanism or like, just like a feeling that you can control the outcome of things. Can I tell you my like crazy OCD, like the, a breaking point for me? Sure. When I was younger, I was obsessed with swimming all these laps. And yeah. I would get out of the pool and I would run between the jacuzzi and the pool. like, yeah. And I would do it over and over and over again. And one day I slipped and mm-hmm. I sliced my body open. Uh-huh. You know, it was such a weird thing being in an emergency room and people not knowing really why this happened. Right. Like the shame that like I knew I was not just working out and swimming in the right, pool. Right, right. That I was doing something that was so beyond, like I was listening to this voice mm-hmm. that it kept forcing me to do this. So from that point forward, you, 
you said this is ridiculous. I don't think it was that moment. I remember being in like, we always yeah. went to Sanibel every year. And I, yeah. I, I wish I could remember because I was young. Yeah. I feel like I read this book. So much of my life has been, because I think it does manifest later in yeah. different ways. But it was this understanding that there was this voice and I had to stop giving into it. Mm-hmm. And if I could stop listening to that voice and start listening to another, I might have a shot. Yeah. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, like that's another part of therapy is like you have a choice not yeah. to listen to the voice. You have the power and the choice yourself not to listen to that voice in your head. When you start to do that, that can become empowering. You get a lot of momentum from I think that. it's changed everything in my life. Yeah. So like basically listening to your voice kind of put you in a dangerous situation. And like a stuck position. In a yeah. stuck position. Yeah. And you're taken away from yeah. like this was this was another hard thing. So then yeah. it was like at a, at a certain point I had an eating disorder. So it was always yeah. like the voice just at least of every other minute. It seems hard to believe yeah. but I would think about my weight, right? right? And what people didn't realize because I was like an, an athlete too and yeah. people what they see is someone that's like strong looking that doesn't have a problem is that like I was never present with people. Right. I was always thinking about myself. I missed out on so much of my life. So much of what I do now is trying to kind of gain back what I wasn't there for. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and that and that's like also, you know, the irony of it all is like, you know, I'm so afraid of death or, you know, something bad happening. And I'm so focused on that that I'm not living in the moment. Right. But I, that's what I very much want to do. That's everything that I want is to be in the moment and enjoy it because that's all you, that you have. I mean, it's one of the main reasons why I love stand-up so much is because like when I'm on stage. You're totally there. I'm totally there. I'm not thinking about anything else. You know, the fears and anxieties and the thoughts go away. And even if that's just for 5, 10, 15 minutes, hopefully, you know, longer. You know what I mean? It's yeah. You seek out those moments where you just are kind of in the flow and in the moment. Totally. But that's what it's all about is just trying. You can't change the past and you can't predict the future. So the moment is all you have. (laughs) They would say that it's all about now. It is. Because I used to feel that about writing. I was totally immersed in it. When I have conversations with people, I'm totally immersed in it. Mm -hmm. And I realize it doesn't have to be like some production I'm doing. It could be like, like I'm obsessed with Uber drivers. Right. And like, I'm totally there for that. When I was really depressed, it would carry me a few days out. Mm-hmm. You know, like the thing, that burst of connection, of really being present, allowed me to keep going for a few days. Like I could live off of that for a yeah. while. What? Just learning about their stories? Just like, yeah, like I just always felt like they're like these spiritual guides. Uh-huh. I, I remember thinking like, why am I going to a therapist where I could just get in a fucking Uber? Like, Tell you what, it's it cheaper. Was, <laughs> yeah, I, that was the thing. Like, yeah. It was cheaper. I just felt like, listen, talking and connecting with people like yeah. is really the way that keeps me fulfilled and going and healthy. Yeah. So I think that that was, that was it. That's great. Uber. <laughs> Uber. I'm going to start talking to my Uber drivers. You've got to, man. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. I recorded one of them once and I put them on an episode. Oh, really? Yeah. There was some good feedback for a while. I just thought I should be going on these drives. Now it's a little pricey. I got to go in the pool. Yeah, the pool. Yeah. Although Uber's becoming more expensive in the city it's now. Everything. Yeah. Like everything is. Maybe Use- they know we're using them as therapists. As therapists. <laughs> I wanted to come out with this app that I think it would only work in New York. You would see the cars that are around you and each car would be like a certain type of coach. Uh-huh. So like a business coach, like a oh. sobriety coach and whatever you needed would come to you. Like people are all about making the most of their time, like not wasting yeah. time. So on the way to the thing, they could get help for something. That's interesting. I wanted to do that. Tell you what, it's a pretty good idea. Maybe maybe give it a shot. <laughs> oh my God. When you think about heartbreak, what do yeah. you think of that? When I think about heartbreak, 
um, heartbreak is not a, uh, a happy thing to think about, you know, um, you know, to me, heartbreak is a sad thing, unfortunately, but I, the relationship is the positive thing. And, mm. um, it's not how it ended. It's, you know, I try to look back on the, all the positive memories that we had together and all the great moments that we had together. The relationship is really what I look back on fondly. The end of it was mm. sad. I was watching this uh, Oprah, one of like the best moments from Oprah, and she had on this mother, the woman's daughter was killed and like thrown into a lake. Mm-hmm. And she was so fixated on the fact that the child was like discarded like garbage. And through this conversation with Oprah, she mm-hmm. realized that like all she was thinking about was the ending. And that in a way it was like so selfish to like reduce her life to just the end. Mm-hmm. And that the way through it is to focus on the life that she had in the moments and it's a simple shift right but it's what you're saying like you think of a relationship and you don't think of the breakup you're thinking about everything that you got through the relationship yeah and i think that helps with the heartbreak you know i'm Um, really trying to help people see heartbreak as an opportunity you know instead of like the demise of something as like heartbreak is this transitional period as an opportunity i think that that's true too yeah um and I've gone through a transitional period after it. And I, like I said, I mean, kind of after the breakup, I needed something to to focus on and take my mind off of it. And, you know, I saw it as an opportunity to, okay, well, I'm just going to go full force into stand up and comedy. Like, if not now, when, you know? So, yeah, it was a transitional period in, in my life. And it opened up more time and opportunity for me to pursue that and discover myself in new ways, you know, over the past two years or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think it can be a positive thing and it's all how you look back on it too. Like I, and I don't have any negative, I mean, everyone's situation is different, Different. you know, and every scenario is different. So, you know, no person's breakup situation is the same. And, you know, for me, it was fortunately something where we both are amicable. There's no negative feelings toward each other. I've run into her a couple times randomly in New York since then. It's been positive experience. Um, Does it feel I've, like you're seeing someone else though? Does it feel like... I mean, not- I think it's just, it's always going to be a little bit awkward. That's just natural yeah. because you were so close to somebody and you shared such special moments with somebody. And then when you run into them on the street when you're not expecting it, you, no one really knows how to react, you know, but it wasn't a negative interaction at all. But it's just not the same. So when it's not the same, that can be a sad thing. But that's just natural human inter- interactions. Is like uh, I remember trying to talk to yeah. an ex after our breakup, and we'd be on the phone, and he would he stopped saying "I love you." I'm yeah, like, how is this happening? <laughs> right. like, and going through like the yeah. transition of like this person is now it's going to be different. Yeah, and I think it takes a little bit to understand that and you know we had conversations like i said post breakup and she you know fortunately was good about you know having those conversations with me when i was trying to find those answers and Mm. then you know i could only push to a certain point where i felt like i was we were just running around in circles you know and i and i really got the answers that um that i needed to get you know we talked about things that made me understand the situation as a whole Mm -hmm. On a better level. Yeah. Are you still hoping to get back together with her? No, I mean, I think that I have, you know, I'm trying to move on and I'm trying to move on to the next relationship, just move on with my life. I don't think that we are going to get back together. I think that it's a healthy thing to 
not hold out hope not for that. Expect that. And not, not expect just, that. Yeah, it's not, not working it's a, toward that. It's not an expectation of mine. It's not something I'm working towards. I'm not, I'm not focused on that happening. I'm focused on moving forward. Can I read you this letter that I received? Sure. It's going to be a little bit of long of a letter. Do you mind? Sure. No problem. Are you in a rush? No, not in a rush. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my situation. My ex and I broke up almost three months ago. He broke up with me for personal reasons. He had a lot of serious family issues and he knew he could not continue to be a good boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Neither of us did anything wrong and we didn't fight. He didn't break up with me because he lost feelings. He solely broke up with me because he had to focus on himself and his family, which I completely understand. After all, I don't want to force him to remain in a committed relationship when he needs to focus on himself first. He said it was the hardest thing for him to do, but it had to be done. I guess the saying, if you love someone, let them go. I think she forgot the last part where it's like, and if they return to you, they're messy. Right, right, right. That being said, we ended the relationship on good terms. I understand what he was going through and I could never be mad at him for what he did. And we both agreed that we would stay friends and be there for one another anytime. We did not want to stop talking and forget that the other person existed because we thought that would be too difficult. I thought that completely cutting him out of my life would be too painful. To make things more complicated, we're in the same program at school. Mm -hmm. We have to see each other every morning and twice a week after school. If we stopped talking, it would be really awkward when we had to see each other all the time. But of course, that's what happened. We became distant after the breakup, so I messaged him asking what was going on because I thought we were going to stay friends. He said he needed time to heal, which was fair, so I gave him space and allowed myself to heal as well. By the way, the messages are always really long. Now we're (laughs) in the present. It's been three months, and Uh I'm not sad about the breakup anymore. Right. I think I'm mostly over him, and I've moved on. I learned a lot from dating him, and I'm grateful for what happened. However, in class, it's like our whole relationship never happened, and we act like complete strangers. I haven't spoke to him for at least two months despite seeing him every morning and it's really awkward. It's really painful knowing that we didn't stay friends like we said, but I guess things had to turn out this way. Here's the problem. I still want to talk to him as a friend. Mm -hmm. I want to catch up because it's been so long and I don't think it's a bad idea to talk every once in a while, but for some reason I can't. I don't know how or if I should. Mm -hmm. When he walked, almost done. When he walks into class, some days I can tell things aren't going too well for him at home. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I can see that he isn't very happy. I feel really bad because I told him I would be there for him if he needs it. I'm also one of the few people that knows what's going on with his family, and he doesn't have a lot of people he can talk to. Mm -hmm. I still care for him so much, and I hate seeing him him unhappy. Because I want to let him know I'm still there for him. I want to tell him that I still care because maybe it doesn't seem like I do in class. It looks like I've moved on, so maybe he thinks I forgot about him and I don't care. I don't know how to help him because we aren't dating anymore, but I want to be a friend for him. Sometimes I catch him staring at me. I get it because sometimes I stare at him too, but there's a difference. He has this sad expression when he's looking at me, as if he's still not over the breakup after all. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to break up with me, but he had to. I guess my big question would be, should I talk to him? Is that a bad idea? Mm-hmm. Should I just leave things how they are and allow him to figure things out on his own? Should I just ignore the desire to have to talk to him? If you do think I should talk to him, how do I do it? I have no idea how to start a conversation with him. Is it healthy to talk to an ex after the no contact period? What do I do? Yeah, I mean, I can very much relate to a lot of that letter. Um, similar situation to mine. Uh, you know, I think that initially at first it's like, well, you want to stay friends and you don't want this person out of your life. But I think it becomes too difficult unbearable and, and unbearable at a certain point yeah. it's not really good for either right. person the way we kind of left it is like listen i'm always here yeah. for you I, I always care for you if you ever need anything if you're ever in a bind i'll be there for you one phone call away but we're not going to be talking on a 
on a day-to-day basis. But if you need to reach out to somebody, I'm, I'm there for you and I'll be the first person there if you need someone. But I think for both of us, just every relationship is different. So mm. I, I don't know if the same advice applies. But in order for me to move on and her to move on and, and better herself and find what she wants, I think it, it was necessary to, to not have constant communication. But what's interesting about you is that like you saw your ex and you didn't ignore her. And I think what becomes so difficult is, I mean, this is a unique situation, sitting with someone in class and ignoring them. Yeah, I mean, that's a little different where you're seeing somebody every day. Yeah, that's a different scenario. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean... I was, at the time when she wrote me this, I was on set with this guy that I've been uh, sleeping with. Uh-huh. Um, and in were with all these people. I mean, there might have been not a hundred people on on set that day. And I'm thinking about all these people are strangers and I'm going out of my way to make Mm -hmm. friends with strangers, sit with them at lunch. And like the one guy that I know so intimately where nothing Mm -hmm. bad happened, it was Mm -hmm. just, we were never going to be dating. We're not even sitting together or we can't even, I started to realize this is why there's alcohol involved Mm -hmm. that makes a flow easier. But when you take all that way, I realized like, this was always kind of my frustration. We're not socially good together. Mm-hmm. But I started to feel like there was like this wall that I couldn't even like really make eye contact. So it really related to yeah. this woman where she says mm-hmm. she sees the guy look at her, but she does nothing. And what does it mean? And I started to think that like sometimes it's like two things. We think about where we were in our life when we were with that person mm-hmm. and we feel like, oh my God, I feel so different. I'm like, how was I with this person? We judge ourselves for being in that. Or two is someone like this guy it's almost like he looks at her and it's a representation of a freedom he can't have. He sees that she might be moving on happy, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't a choice to not be with her. He didn't want to choose that. And it becomes painful to look at someone and to contact them because they represent a place that they can't be in, that they couldn't make a selfish choice. They chose their family or whatever's going on. Yeah. I think that that, that's very true. Um, I think that's another reason why for us, it was better that, we didn't, you know, after having some conversations post breakup that we, you know, we're there for each other if needed, but I think the biggest thing, we're not going to be reaching out to each other. I just feel like the biggest thing is believing someone when they say that trusting, like truly that you wouldn't have too much pride, that you wouldn't pick up her phone call the day that you said that it's still, I think down. that she knows that I would. Um, and I believe she would. You know, if, and that's true. Like it's like, I've accidentally like pocket dialed her before she texted me the next day and was like, I saw you called. Is everything okay? Yeah. And I said, sorry, it was an accident. And that was it. You know? And that's a bit of a weird. You're like, sorry, it was fate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, fate pocket dialed and (gasps) we should get back together, you know? But like, but yeah, I think we have a healthy relationship. Listen, it's hard because it's like, you think back on the. When you were together and you're like, you want that and you want the best times that you had. Why can't it just be like that all the time? Again, it's not realistic. Their life gets in the way and there's particular factors that, you know, it was the right decision for us to not be together. So, you know, I think being able to take a step back and look at that took me some time, but I think that. You're happy you gave yourself the time to step back and realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it doesn't mean I won't be sad about it, but I'm also. I love that you're able to say that, though, openly. I think a lot of people have a hard time acknowledging their sadness or saying that could happen or could come or even saying that, like, still that. Because people attach, you know, especially with a breakup, like, sadness with Mm -hmm. love. And I think that a lot of people have a lot of pride that they wouldn't want to say that they could still be sad about it. 
And I think the best yeah. thing that I did for myself yeah. in my last relationship, the breakup, is that I didn't beat myself up about where I was, how much time has gone on, that I would still look at his stuff, or mm-hmm. I would still think about the kids, that right. I would be sad about that, or I would, that I had certain fears afterwards about what it would be like being with another person. Mm-hmm. I think that like I not hating on myself and allowing that to be the case has helped me the most. And I, I remember that like at a certain point, like I would be on like a subway and I would like see mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel like it's a more human thing to do to allow myself to miss certain parts of you. I just feel like it's more human. Yeah. I mean, you can't pretend that something didn't happen. People do. Yeah, but that's not what happened. I mean, it, whatever happened, happened, you know? Right. I mean, that's why it is awkward when you run into somebody and like, yeah, it's not the same as it was. I think everyone should go through it. I think it's the yeah. greatest indication. I think like the, there should always be that test. Yeah. I mean, I've had similar experiences. Like I, I'm walking through the streets and I, I'm like, that person's her. You know, that's her. I think I've done that countless number of times. Right. And a couple, not- and a couple of times it has been. Yeah. But that's been like two out of hundreds, you know, right. of times that I've thought it was her. You know, it's not that I'm, I don't think, it's not like I'm obsessing over it every day, but it's just, it crosses my mind frequently. I mean, I don't know if it's every day, but I'll think about it still. Do you believe in that line? You know that line is something like, you realize when you get older that not everyone is thinking about you, no one's thinking about you. I never believe that. I'm like, I think about myself and I think about another person almost simultaneously after. Yeah, I don't think that that's true. I mean, I I think that, at least in my experience, like, I don't forget people, Mm -hmm. you know. It's not something like where it's like, again, where it's not, maybe I don't think about them every day or, or, but like, it's... Still do. People fucking cross my mind. They would never fucking know. I think about people from high school. It's so Yeah, random. so do I. All the time. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I have forgotten anyone. I don't know their names. But it's weird. I can remember the conversations that we had or the story. But like, I think about people that... Yeah, I mean, past. I don't know. If also, today's day and age, everyone's so like interconnected with social media. And just like, you'll come across somebody's picture or you'll come across their profile or whatever. Or you'll look, you'll look at it. But you can always do that. So I don't know if there's that plays into it as well, where like you're always kind of connected to people and always can kind of check up on them, even though you're not with them. Which, by the way, the weirdest fucking thing, I stopped posting on my feed for like a year and a half. I have to get back. But then I started doing stories. Yeah. And I started to think that everyone that watched my stories, they were in my life. Right. I was like. They've come here to watch me. Right. They're part of my world. Right. And when I stopped doing stories recently, I'm like, oh my God, they're not. That was like a figment of my imagination. Right. Which is just another weird thing about social media. Now, Yeah. I mean, I think social media is unhealthy in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, I would like to try to disconnect from that as well. You know, with comedy, I, I, it, mine's like a business profile bits and I put out different shows and stuff like that. You don't have like a personal one. No, I mean, I just changed my personal one into a comedy yeah. one. But again, that still has its, you know, how many people are liking it or how many people are I watching know, this. I, I and, can't. I want to become the person that doesn't look at those Constantly things. checking up on it. And I think that that's just like natural, you know. Um, but it's not a good thing. Like, it doesn't make me feel good. If likes start rolling in or views start rolling in, yeah, that feels good. It's like a hit of like... Dopamine. Dopamine or whatever, you know. So... Yeah, you get a little bit of a high from that, but then you don't feel good about it at the same time. I don't know. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Social media is crazy. It's ruined everything. (laughs) (laughs) And yet it's here to stay. It's here to stay. I mean, I think. I mean, just at least technology, the way technology has gone is just like in our lifetimes, it's... 
you know, I feel like we were like the last generation of like, I remember like playing outside as a kid with my friends and those were like the best times ever. But today's day and age, kids are just, you know, they're Go they're on their iPads or, or their on video games, or video games playing with their friends. Yeah. And that's, that's a hangout. Yeah. Do you remember Pogs? Yeah. Something as simple as Pogs. Or like, right. What was it, like GAC or something? Like, the right. things that like, oh, so easy to entertain ourselves back then. Yeah, Now absolutely. it's like you have everything and you're bored. With I know. Mm. Yeah, technology's scary. So I coined this word break upward, and I'm curious what that word might mean to you. Break upward. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Listen, breakups are can be really tough. Relationships are difficult. Their work, breakups, you know, can be really hard to get through. But I think looking at it in a transition period is is a good thing. And I think trying to look back on the relationship, whether it was a positive or negative experience for you, what did you learn from it? How can you be better going forward? Um, what were things that if you had an opportunity to do it again with somebody else, what would you change? You know, I think you learn about yourself as a partner, too. I mean, I look back on it and there are things that I wish I did better. And I wish that I was a better boyfriend at times. I thought I was a good one, but I also learned areas where I could be better. I think that everything is like a a learning experience. And I think break upward is looking at it in a positive light. What can you learn from a breakup? How can you transition into the next phase of your life or the next relationship? Which I think I've, I've done a good job of doing. I think it's exciting to see the takeaways that you've had. And like you said, that you look back and you're like, I could have done things differently. Or sometimes I remember like, it's easy. The things that you really adore in the beginning, kind of you just expect that they're that way and you stop looking at them. You stop looking at the small things. Yeah. And I'm excited for the next relationship to see if like all this fucking knowledge that I've gained, if I can, if I can can actually put it to the test. It's one thing to talk about it and think you can do it. And another thing to fall fucking in love and see. It's different when you're actually in it for sure. Yeah. But I think, you know, again, like you learn about yourself as a person, you learn about yourself as a partner. And, you know, for me, it's like, I always want to progress and be better, you know, whether that's goal I'm trying to achieve, whether it's comedy, I always want to look back on how I was a couple months ago year ago, whatever, and say that I'm better than I was before. But I want to do that as a person too. You know, I think that we all have room for growth as people and we have to. And you learn from these experiences that you have just in life, interactions with Uber drivers or relationships, whatever it is, you learn from that. You learn from those experiences. You want to look back on how you were when you're in your early 20s, mid 20s, whatever, and now be like a more of a evolved person. Tell my audience where they can find you. Find me on Instagram, speaking of social media, at Michael B. Comedy. That's Instagram and Twitter. I have a monthly show. I run with another comic, one of my best friends, Max Spinelli. Um, it's at V-Spot Organic. The name's changed a couple of times. It's now called NYC Vegan Food Court, and mm-hmm. St. Mark's Comedy Club is in the back of that. So we run it monthly there. It's the third Tuesday of every month at 8.30. St. Mark's Place between 2nd and 3rd. Oh my god, right here. Yep, and uh, it's called the Tell You What Comedy Show. How much does it cost to get in? Free show. Really? Yeah. Just gotta get the drinks? It's like a two-item minimum, but they have relatively inexpensive items on the on Good the for you. So yeah, we run that run that monthly. We book the show. We host the show. And you're in the show. And we're in the show. Yeah, yeah. So we host and perform and also you know organize the whole thing. Yo, thank you for doing this. In a weird way, you know, I have a lot of people come on that I think 
are far from their heartbreak, right? Yeah. So it's a very different conversation. And I think it's so important that people that are listening to this, I know, I think want something that's like what you came out with. And I thank you for that. It was a different vibe. And Well, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I knew I had to. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were so funny. I was oh, just like, fuck, man. <laughs> like that, I, I'm like, I feel like I'm listening to myself. And then you disappeared. I'm like, where did he go? I was going to say something to him. <laughs> and then my sister yeah. spotted you. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> well, I'm glad you came up to me. I'm glad we did this. I hope that it was all right. But, it was uh, more than all right. It was great. Okay, great. <laughs> all right, well, wait. thank you for having me. Of course. If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, at BreakUpward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D, Com. And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone.